Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This special edition of All Things Catholic is part two in our series, recorded live at the Northern Colorado Catholic Women's Conference earlier this month. We're going to continue our discussion here in part two. In her fiat, Mary doesn't just say yes. What we see revealed in her heart is this. She, she says, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Do you know that language, handmaiden? Do you know what the word really is in Greek? Dule, which is the word for slave. She calls herself a slave. Now that just seems harsh, doesn't it? I did a retreat for deacons once, and I, I was, was deacons in Michigan, and I was teaching this point, and all of a sudden a deacon's hand interrupted my talk and just said, Dr. Sri, I, I don't like that. I disagree with that, that word. I don't like that word, slave. And I just said, it's not my word, it's God's word. <laughs> and it's Mary's word, you know, so. But I get your point. I get, in our modern American world, slave just seems harsh, doesn't it? It seems restrictive. You know, I should just freely give my life to God. And I get that, right? Uh, but I, that's not what Mary means when she describes herself as a slave, or St. Paul describes himself as a slave of Christ. They, they, they mean something different. It's like, it's like the slave of someone who's just in love. Do you ever see a young couple fall in love? And they just want to be together all the time. They just don't want to ever be apart. They want to make each other happy. They just want to be around each other all the time. I mean, you could look at this young, engaged couple and go, oh, look at how pathetic they are. They're just slaves. They have to be together all the time. <laughs> but it's love that's motivating them to want to be together and to serve each other. That's what Mary and all the saints have. They have this heart that's motivated just like to use their life for God's purposes, not their own. I may have my own dreams and my own plans, all that, and that's great, and, and God can use all that, but in the end, Mary and the saints, they, they, they look at God as not about, okay, how can God help me achieve my dreams? No, Mary and the saints look at God as lovers, and they want to know what's on God's heart, and I want to run after that. Because I love God so much. I just want to give my life to serve his purposes. What is, what's on God's heart for this parish? What's on God's heart for the youth ministry? What's on God's heart for RCIA? What's on God's heart for the growing small group discipleship happening here at the parish? What does God want for that? And how can I use my life to run after that? That's how Mary responds. That's what her fiat in the end is all about. Her fiat is not a, well, God said so. Yes, sir. Okay, I guess if that's what God wants. No, it's the yes of a lover. I just love God, and I want to use my life not for my own purposes, but for his. Okay, so that's step two. I'm going to skip the visitation, and I'm going to jump ahead nine months. We're going to go nine months to Bethlehem, to the Nativity. So when you get Christmas cards in the mail, do you ever get those nice religious art Christmas cards, those beautiful pieces of art, you know, that come in on the Christmas card? What does Mary look like in most religious art at, at the Nativity? What color are her clothes? Blue with some red, maybe some white, right? And just perfectly folded, you know, like, like you just got out of the dry cleaners, right? <laughs> and how, what do her hands look like? What are her hands doing? They're maybe like this bowed over, or maybe you just see the Mary like this over the manger, right? You know, and I love these images. I lo I've got some of these little prints in my house. I love this image because it captures the beauty of Mary, her purity, and most of all, her ardent devotion to the baby Jesus. I love it. But do you think that's what it really looked like? 
<laughs> I, I, I mean, if you, if you had to, that, to look at the whole story, it wasn't just that. In fact, it was a lot of, a, of something else. It would have been very dramatic, and I would actually argue very traumatic what Mary faced in the story of the nativity. Put yourself in her shoes. You're in the last trimester of your pregnancy. You're up in Nazareth, and all of a sudden Roman soldiers come in and announce this big census, and now you and Joseph have to go back to Joseph's ancestral town and go move all the way down to Bethlehem in your last trimester. You don't get a nice air-conditioned bus as you do on a Holy Land pilgrimage. You're probably going on a donkey on a four-day journey. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Can I ask how many people here are moms? How about the idea of moving in your last trimester? Is that on your bucket list? I mean, that would be really hard for any mom. I have to say, I, I did that to my wife, Beth. <laughs> I did. We moved 13 years ago almost. We moved from Kansas to Denver in the last trimester in the summer. <laughs> Kansas summer. Oh, she would be up in the attic trying to go through our boxes, all this heat and just feeling awful. I mean, it was just so hard. And I tried to encourage her and just put my arm around her and say, I'm just trying to be like Joseph. <laughs> I'm going for a while. That was really not good. <laughs> Don't advise that line. But, but here's the deal. So when Mary actually moves and gets there, what happens? What happens when she gets to Bethlehem? Are things better now? Does, do all the people come out to welcome her? The Bethlehem Chamber of Commerce is here to welcome you, the Queen Mother, into our town to give birth to the Messiah. Thank you, Mary. She get any kind of thanks, praise, special attention? She doesn't even have a place to give birth to this child. She has to deliver Jesus in these conditions that are so austere, where there's just a, a manger, a feeding trough to put the baby in. This was so hard. John Paul II, reflecting on this, said that Mary had great grief at this moment because she couldn't give her child the basics of what any ordinary mom would want to offer their ordinary kid, but she has the extra burden of knowing this isn't any ordinary kid. This is the Holy Son of God, and he's treated like this. Jesus is born into conditions of great poverty, humility, suffering, rejection, rejected by the people and not welcomed this way. This is their Messiah. And how hard that was for her. Are there times in life you ever feel you're not treated the way you deserve to be treated? You're not appreciated? Maybe by your spouse or a child. Maybe it's your fellow parishioners. Maybe it's coworkers. Or times where things don't work out the way you were expecting. You had this plan and it didn't work out. Or all of a sudden just life suddenly takes a turn and things are just turned upside down. You feel like you had the rug taken up from under you and you're wondering, where is God in the midst of this? Mary had moments like that. Mary, all of a sudden, like, what happened? Nine months ago, I was told this is the Messiah, the Son of God, the great King, the Savior. And he's entering the world like this. Her world's turned upside down. How did she respond? How do you respond? You know, I think there are many different ways we respond to things like this. As a disciple, you're walking with Jesus and you're following, you're open to God's will, you say yes, and it's not easy. You expect, well, I have God in my life, so everything should be perfect. Well, it's a lot better with God, but there's still suffering in this world. And God can actually use that suffering to bring about some good in you, but it, it's still hard. What do I do now? You know, it, it could be, you know, there could be like a, a change at work. You have a new boss or a new coworker came in and all of a sudden there's all this pressure and tension and you're wondering, what happened here? 
or, or maybe it's something going on with one of your kids, and you wonder, what, what, this, this, this didn't turn out the way I, I hoped for my child. Or maybe it's a financial issue, like what happened back in 2008 when many of us saw our 401ks become 201ks very quickly. Like, oh, I, I had this whole plan and now it's all gone. Or maybe it's a health issue where my health or the health of someone I love is in danger and, and I just, what, what's happening? If you've had moments like this, you can relate to Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Queen of Heaven and Earth, the Immaculata, the Virgin of all virgins, was human and faced human suffering and trials and things not working out the way she thought they would work out, not being treated the way she thought she should be treated, wondering where is God in the midst of this? What's happening? When we face those moments, many of us, you know, different kinds of temperaments out there, there are some people that are very, you know, can be very melancholic and, and very discouraged. You know, they, they kind of could be like Eeyore <laughs> and Winnie the Pooh, you know, oh, woe is me. Life is really hard being me. Do you ever meet people like that? They're just gloomy and like one bad thing after another, just like, oh, it's just so hard. That's not what God wants. Then there's others that kind of just get bitter and jaded by life. They could just blame everybody else. They're just bitter, angry personalities when they face trials. That's not what God wants for us. Then there's others of us who are more the type A personality. We just want to fix things. I'm just going to fix it. I just want everything to be just like it was before. That's not what God wants. God wants us to meet him. His father said in his homily, I don't know if you're all here this morning, we talked about when the storm came on the sea, Jesus came and revealed himself to him and said, I am the name of Yahweh in the midst of this chaotic storm. I, what's happening? Where is, where, what, where is this boat going? And, and God, Jesus comes and says, I am. I'm here. And there's good that God can bring out of this. That's what Mary did. Here's the line I want you to write down for this third. Uh, it's the third step we're going to talk about today. Um, the one response of Mary do you ever hear Mary complain in the nativity? Don't you, priests, know who I am? All generations are going to call me blessed. You better start doing it now. Did she ever complain like that? No. Did she get discouraged or angry? No. What is the one response we get about what's happening on the inside of Mary at the nativity? She ponders these things in her heart. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. She kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Exactly. So she's keeping and pondering this. And biblically, this is a biblical expression used in the Old Testament in Genesis with uh, Jacob, the father of Joseph. It's used in Daniel. But it's used multiple times to describe someone who experiences something mysterious, not sure what this means, but they, they're going to they're gonna talk to God about it. It's like they're prayerfully mulling it over. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? And I think that's the fundamental attitude of a disciple. Is that no matter what's happening on the outside of my life, I should have faith. I should have the confidence that God can use it for some good on the inside. That maybe he's allowing, that, not that God wills all this suffering for us. There's going to be suffering because of our sin, our fallenness in this human world. But, but God is so big, he can use that suffering to bring good in my life. I, am I really, do I really believe that? So maybe God's allowing me to experience that I had this plan and this dream and all of a sudden it's turned all upside down and the thing I was really hoping for, this what I found my identity in and fulfillment in, I, I, I find it's just not going to work out the way I thought. 
and I'm not going to have that anymore. And, and, and my life is, I feel like it's being turned upside down, but God's trying to teach me something. He's trying to teach me to be detached. Detached from my own dreams, my own plans, and to trust his dreams for me and his plans for me, which are so much bigger than my own. Or maybe God's allowing me to experience a little bit of failure. I'm used to things going well and things always working out, and now it's not going well. And I'm not as successful as I thought in a certain area. And he's allowing me to experience that, so I grow in humility. And I learned to depend on him more, not my own planning and talents and effort and work. Or maybe God's allowing me to experience this darkness, this uncertainty about where my life is going so I can just learn to trust in him more, to walk with him in the darkness. Or maybe God's allowing me to experience some acute suffering so that I can grow in compassion that God needs me to be thinking about other people more. And, and, and I, I'm going to be much more compassionate on other people who are suffering. It, it's going to be different for everyone, but no matter what's happening out here, we should have the confidence that God can use it to bring some good here. But if I'm walking around like Eeyore, or I'm bitter, or I'm just trying to fix everything, I, I, I'm not present to the one who is I am, present to me in that moment who wants to do that work in my soul. I'm missing the opportunity to grow as a disciple. We always must keep and ponder. In your cross, in your trial, ask Jesus, what are you trying to teach me, Jesus? What are you trying to show me? What is it that you want to work on in me? How am I to grow? Because to grow in trust, to grow in humility, to grow in patience, to grow in surrender, to grow in compassion, these are all good things from my soul. I don't want to miss out on those good things God can bring from whatever crosses may come my way. Thanks again for listening to this special edition of All Things Catholic, recorded live at the Northern Colorado Catholic Women's Conference on May 4th in Windsor, Colorado. If you have any questions about today's episode, or if you want to just send some feedback on what touched you, encouraged you, helped you, uh, please reach out to me. I want to hear from you. I love hearing from our listeners at info.edwardsree at gmail.com. Again, that's info.edwardsree at gmail.com. Or you can reach me on my website, edwardsree.com, or Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Please pray for me. I'll continue to pray for you. God bless.